This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's another week. It's another edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz bringing you the latest in Penn State football and recruiting news on the most recent episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We reviewed the startling changes across college football, beginning with the Big Ten Conference, shifting to the conference-only schedule. It's something we have seen adopted elsewhere in the Power Five. Uh, It's on the table for other conferences, uh, continuing that conversation. But uh, we'll continue to wade through what that means for the Nittany Lions, uh, not to the extent that we did last episode, but Sean, there is a new step this week on on the positive side of things. Penn State is now in their summer access activities portion of the of the schedule here for the preseason lead up. We we talked in June about the voluntary workouts that were taking place, the players coming back, uh, quarantining, getting back in the rhythm a little bit, small workouts. Now, because of the Big Ten release that we saw come out last week, it wasn't just about the schedule. There were a couple other interesting things noted there, Sean. One was the fact that scholarships will be honored in the 2020-2021 school year for student-athletes who elect not to return to campus due to concerns because of what's going on with coronavirus and these new realities. Uh, And the other was that workouts will remain voluntary. So while these were at one point kind of viewed as the end of the voluntary phase of the offseason for Penn State, technically they're still voluntary. But here's what we're looking at now, a ramped up process leading into August between yesterday, the 13th, and then the to the 23rd. So not a huge stretch. We're looking at up to eight hours of weight training, conditioning, and film review per week. Uh, that's capped at two hours of film review each week. And then we look uh, over into into the first weekend of August, the first week of August, uh, things kick up again. Uh, and, and they do that later in July, too. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's, it's hard to make sense of this because we spent the whole last episode talking about the potential calamity that, that college football is facing and the realities of how conferences like the Big Ten are, are addressing the situation. And yet here we see some stepping stones for Penn State moving toward their first kickoff, which I guess is the last Saturday in September. We don't even know that at this point, but hey, it, this is uh, summer 2020 and we're just trying to catch up. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um, we're we're kind of waiting on that schedule because that's really going to dictate some of those things. I, You know, I like I said last episode, I, I can see a situation where that schedule is just, you know, over the same time period as the regular schedule, just spaced out and, you know, give yourself some time to to sort of figure things out between games. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I don't know when that schedule is going to come out. It's uh, something that they pulled from every website in the Big Ten, and you know, and now all of a sudden it doesn't exist. So, um, m- moving on to what 
what they're doing now. And, and that was a good catch by you in terms of uh, looking at the mandatory versus uh, sort of elective workouts. Penn State's gotten into them this week, um, sort of expanding things and moving in that direction. Um, it doesn't really change much for I, just the layperson that, that's following these things um, in terms of coaches being there. Coaches get to little, work a little bit more with the players now. Um, you get a little bit more access from that from that standpoint. You get a better look at your, at your guys that you're going to sort of fill out your depth chart uh, as it as it goes forward but you know there's there's less risk for the student athlete you mentioned uh, if they don't come back you can't pull their scholarship which you know is kind of a no-brainer at this point in the at this juncture in, in what we're going through um, but no you got to get uh, got to take that next step to uh, to get back to workouts to get back to uh, what you're able to do as a full staff and and really I mean the full staff is is not even back in lash yet I mean just uh, they've, they, they've come back um, the workouts have been in Haluba. You know, you kind of trust your strength staff to get you through these times, and and now this will open up a little bit. Get your chance to get a chance for your players to be around the coaches, the guys that they are most familiar with, the guys that sort of they came here to play for, um, and sort of start working in those new guys, the Stubblefields, John Scott Juniors, those those guys into uh, what to expect, what an off season, what a summer workout training program is like at Penn State. So there, there's a lot that there's a lot more that you can accomplish right now, but it's not going to be a dramatic shift or anything. They'll continue you to sort of stay separate for workouts, be diligent about uh, cleaning up and be diligent about what they need to do to keep their guys healthy. Um, but, you know, it, you continue to sort of step in that way. And, you know, if there is football, if that's something that we see in a couple of months from now, you know, Penn State will continue to, to sort of walk along that path and, and and try and be ready for it. So I think, it you know, it just depends where you're at right now. Uh, you look at the, the schools that have shut down their workouts because guys have tested positive. Penn State not in that situation at this point and hopefully not in that situation at all but uh you know it's kind of uh hit and miss throughout the throughout the country right now yeah maryland um the latest team that that we've seen um you know react to positive testing by uh putting the pushing the pause button on, on their workouts ohio state was in that boat entered that boat last week um and and the the date that really stands out here and when we're talking about really making a, a kind of that pivot toward legitimately, you know, getting ready for football season, aside from from doing the conditioning stuff and, and, and getting your body right at this stage, which is more important than ever, considering the recent absence from campus for all these guys, you know, July 24th, next Friday, I've been circling that one, f- f- you know, since we saw this preseason lead up approved by the NCAA because that's when things ramp up to 20 hours a week of, of athletically related activities. Uh, we're talking at that point about a football actually being on the field. Can you imagine that in 2020? Um, a, a football being on the field for six hours per week for walkthroughs. You're looking at eight hours of, of weight training and conditioning and up to six hours per week for meetings. And, and that's you know film review, team meetings, position meetings, one-on-one stuff. That's really when I think you'll see the, the new coaching staff take another step forward uh, you know, with their relationships. With, with with their understanding of what they've got working in this room. And it's just remarkable to think as as we move our way toward August and then the days continue to dwindle and we've got all this hanging over our heads, you know, at, at the very basis of this deal is if there's football we play, there's a lot of work to be done for the Nittany Lions because we're talking about a significant uh, set of assistant coaches, positional coaches who just have not had the opportunity to truly assess what they have from a, a talent standpoint, from a polish standpoint, 
Um, they didn't recruit these guys to campus. They don't have a, necessarily a long history. Um, so there, there's a lot to look into in, in that relationship and the dynamics in play between a guy like Taylor Stubblefield and his wide receivers or Phil Troutwine and his offensive linemen. And depending on the room and depending on the experience that comes back, that task is incrementally more greater uh, depending on which position room you're looking at. And, and so I think next Friday, when you kind of shift to the, you know, I would view that July 24th through August 6th span that, that we're talking about 20 hours per week. To me, that's kind of the bridge from getting back in the groove condition workouts and, and kind of refamiliarizing people with, with the quote unquote new normal on campus. And then you're bridging that gap between actually putting on football pads and preparing for just uncharted territory with the football season. And, and let's face it, even if they get to the point where, uh, you know, they're practicing the second week of August and, and they're out there, they, you know, I, I would imagine by then we'll have a, a handle on the schedule, but just imagine trying to, to, to set the stage for yourself as a football squad. Right now, you've got what, six weeks and change. And, and, and before your original scheduled kickoff, and at this stage, you don't even know the order of your opponents, assuming the Big Ten is going to shuffle things up, condense, and, and, and move things earlier in the season. Again, that's an assumption. So there's just so much out in out hanging over everybody right now, and it's just to it, it's hard to wrap your head around. And and I, and I know this coaching staff certainly has their hands full from so many different perspectives. That's before we even account in the protocols that are in place for COVID-19 and the fact that each of these young men is going to have somebody at home wanting, you know, make to make sure that they're taken care of from a health perspective. So medical stuff aside, which right now is the center subject, there's just a lot to delve through with preparing to play live action football. Well, there's a lot of stuff. And if you're listening, there's a lot of stuff that we're kind of filing in, in goes without saying. And that, that medical stuff is certainly there. And it's certainly the most important stuff. Um, but also, you know, it, there's a lot of pessimism about a season happening. And, you know, that's, that's obvious. I mean, if you read anything whatsoever, you know that, you know, where we stand right now seems different than where we stood two weeks ago, three weeks ago two months ago, whatever, in terms of having a season, we're not going to be focused on that. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it goes without saying. And the guy that responds to every tweet about the football season with, this is a waste of time. There's not going to be a season. You know, that's kind of, we're just, we're, we're moving away from that. We're talking about what, you know, you could prepare for, what they're, they're hoping to prepare for best case scenario. There's a season. Um, and this, time right now, what you referenced is your spring. And obviously the, the, them missing spring was a big deal, um, for, especially for those new coaches that are trying to work in there. So you're trying to sort of not only fine tune what you need to get for the season, but at the same time, going back to that competition that you would have had in the spring, that those first impressions for some of those coaches that were in there in the spring. And that's a tough thing to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how those guys handle it, especially you're putting in a new offense. It's not a completely new offense. There's a lot of elements to what, uh, you know, Penn State did in the past. Uh, compared to what Kirk Sherrock is going to do, but uh, new verbiage, uh, new things to work in with Sean Clifford and and the guys around them. Um, it's it's been fascinating to, to sort of see this try and come together um, because it's it's far from a finished product. And you know, you look at the teams that have uh, consistent coaching staffs. Uh, you know, roll have rolled over coordinators from year to year. They're going to be you know a little bit safer from this uh, situation that 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 we find ourselves in right now. So 
10 days from now, we're recording on a Tuesday morning, 10 days from now, football on the field, Kirk Sharaka with Sean Clifford going through a walkthrough of the offensive attack and, and trying to get this thing in place and get everybody on the same page. 24 days from today, we're talking about the start of the actual preseason practice period that begins August 7th. It's a 29-day span that allows for 25 practice periods. Now, this was constructed, Sean, with that September 5th kickoff date in mind when they put together this lead up and and, and, and the practice periods over the course of, of those August weeks. This was all structured to get a program ready for a September 5th kickoff and and with that week one schedule in mind and uh, as as Big Ten has done and as we're seeing other power five conferences and, and lower level conferences do you're, you're, you're kind of wiping away a lot of that week one schedule at this point where Penn State was set to host Kent State as we addressed last episode. The first three games now off the board for Penn State. Um, that makes me wonder, you know, what could we see in terms of an adjustment to this preseason plan from the NCAA? And, and I think what the NCAA faces, that's that's extremely tricky at this point. And, and it's a big reason why I think you're seeing so many discussions across conference to conference to conference and so much attention and if this will be a domino effect and which conferences might hold out. The SEC seems to be kicking the can down the road a, a bit in terms of addressing how they're going to handle their schedule. But there's not a uniformity right now in terms of when teams are going to start. There's a lot of questions about that. So it makes me wonder whether this NCAA proposal, you know, which was approved I guess you know, a month or so ago, for July, for August, for this lead up, does that need to be readdressed? And 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 will we see this time structure changed at all? And 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 will that be universal? Universal? Will it be conference by conference? These are the kind of questions that are popping up as as programs like the Big Ten are saying, "Hey, you guys can take the football and go play among yourselves. We're going to focus within uh, our our programs uh, within just this conference, and we have to worry about that right now." Um, so I think that leaves, you know, probably the door open for for some adjustments to the exact schedule we've been laying out here. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, there's no right answer. There's no, I guess, hard and fast rule of how this is going to go. But uh, it's kind of where we find ourselves right now. What doesn't stop is recruiting and Penn State, you know, hopefully trickling along to some good news at the end of the week. Jamari Budden uh, is going to announce on Friday. Uh, my crystal ball is in. Your crystal ball is in. We we like Penn State here, and we think that uh, you know Penn State's going to get on the board. We've been asked before: Does this run? You know, or does this lead to a run in in August, July, or August, or anything like that? I don't think that's the case. Um, but uh, Penn State's been chipping away at Button for a while. Um, obviously, they had some success with with Kobe and Kalen King and Jalen Reed in Detroit in the Detroit area, and you know Belleville's a, a spot that puts out a bunch of talent. So uh, continuing to uh, to do work in in Michigan is Tim Banks and and that defensive crew. And and I think they had another one at the end of the week. Yeah. Three months uh, now since that, that big spree in Detroit with with the twins and and Jalen Reed and, and really seeing this class blow up in a big way in April. And uh, since then, you know, things have slowed down a bit. You saw Lonnie White come on board. Um, and then I think right now this is, you know, you've been wondering commitment number 13, when is it going to come? How is it going to come without these visits? And Jamari Budden's a, a guy who has that experience on campus. It's one of those where we don't have to follow every sentence with dot, 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 if he makes it to campus eventually, uh, because he has experience. He, he has the firsthand account of, of, of why his friends uh, committed to Penn State. And this is a, a, a battle, it would seem, if it is a battle anymore, 
um, with Michigan State there, right in the thick of it. Uh, uh, Mel Tucker, first-year coach at, with the Spartans. Certainly, this is a, a player that would mean a lot for them to bring on board this stage of the cycle. Um, but right now, Penn State's a crystal ball leader. When you look at who's making those picks, whether it's Steve Wiltfong or, or Alan True or uh, some of the other guys who are focused in on Michigan, including a Michigan State reporter, um, you know, it, certainly you like where things stand for Penn State right now. And um, Sean, this would be a, a player who, you know, you, you turn on the film, uh, you look at the measurements, uh, you, you try to find his fit in this class. And, um, you know, I, I think you, there's a few players in this class where you could probably see them lining up in a few spots and you're not sure if they're going to be elite there. This is a four-star prospect in Jamari Budden, um, and number 21 linebacker on the outside when you look at 24-7 sports composite rankings. Do you see a player who fits in with what they've done lately in the linebacker group? Um, because certainly when we talked about Kobe King, who's expected to play linebacker, the talk with him has been, can he be a three-down player? It seems very much to be an interior linebacker, a downhill kind of guy. Does Budden complement that? I see it. Uh, do these two continue what we've seen at the linebacker spot in terms of infusion of talent? Not so sure on that. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty high bar to judge these guys sure. on, and um, probably unfair to them. But it's the situation where they're at right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they complement each other well. I think Kobe King is is a Mike all the way, and and you've got Budden as a guy that could play probably either outside spot. Curious how you know uh, how he would function in space in that Sam position that Penn State plays. It's kind of the field backer that, you know, gives you a little bit, uh, gets you in a little bit more space. But uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I look at Button and, you know, sort of physically he stacks up. I mean, he's 6'2 plus, 210 right now, uh, looks, is freaking jacked. I mean, this kid is uh, really well put together. Um, his tape is a bit of a head scratcher in terms of, what you're looking at in terms of linebacker instincts and things like that. I mean, he's basically come off the edge. Now he does, he does do some nice things as an actual linebacker, but for the most part, off the edge, go get the ball, go get it done. And he does it pretty well. So he's got some snap to him. He can, you know, get off the ball pretty well and, and go after the quarterback. So, you know, maybe you're thinking three, four outside linebackers, more uh, his most natural fit. But uh, we've seen some things. Alan True posted some things on our site uh, last week, some workout videos, moving pretty well in space. And I think that's the biggest question when you look at Jamari Budden is how he can play in space, in coverage, uh, moving side to side more so than just see ball, get ball. And, and see ball, get ball is good. Um, but when you play within a defense, when you play within uh, the structure in, in the Big Ten, it's uh, certainly a different level than what the what he's used to seeing. I like the physical frame here to, to build upon. You know, he's he's got that. He's he's not a player who's maxed out, not even close to it physically. Not even uh, you know. I think within the realm of that, I, you know, looks more long and lean at six foot two, two hundred and ten uh, pounds, and and you know, a player that you'd expect to to be able to probably considering what you've got cooking at linebacker, probably be able to spend a year. You know, getting him physically where you might want him in 2021, or I'm sorry, 2022 at that point, and and then see what you've got. I don't think there'll be a rush to get to get this kid on the field. And and he, while it might not be see the ball, get the ball, I do like the aggressiveness uh, from Jamari Budden. Uh, I like that you're continuing to tap into that recruiting area. Area, and I'm just curious because this is a, a spot at linebacker where you know coming off of, of these last few classes, a couple of years ago signing two five stars and Dixon and Smith, and last year th- all three of those guys are considered blue chips with, with uh, 
Jacobs as as the headliner as a five star. Now I look at the 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 linebacker class here in, in 2020, and 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 you just kind of uh, you you wonder would more names have surfaced if there was if uh, if there were camps, if there were visits, if if there were potential for some long distance recruitments to really gain momentum in in the in via those visits, and it, this feels like a it's been a pretty stagnant target board at linebacker for a while for Penn State. And I, you know it, that was not the case last year. We saw some offers in the spring and the summer ultimately make a big difference for what the class ended up looking like. And you know, early on, Damian Robinson was a huge name to know. He's committed to his home state, Maryland Terrapins. He thought maybe Penn State had some good vibes going earlier in that recruitment. He got to campus, but again, Button's been a name for a while. But I feel like it's been pretty consistent in terms of who we talked about at linebacker, Sean, for Penn State in the 2021 cycle. Yeah, really, really not a tremendous year in terms of uh, basically what we've grown accustomed to and gotten used to in terms of in the region. Damien Robinson was that top guy, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, one of the, probably one of the top three defensive targets on the board overall, um, and he committed to Maryland, uh, did that thing. And, uh, you know, it's kind of good. You, where do you go from there? They were in it with Terrence Lewis, who's committed to, to Tennessee. Um, it, there's a couple other guys. Just if you had summer official visits, maybe you get a shot. Um, and I think that that's really where it comes up. I don't, I don't really see, um, them going out and offering guys. Now they did it with Tyler Elston last year, but offering guys at camp, um, at that position. Um, but you know, you never know that, that, that's where you, I mean, Elston at this time, uh, last April really was not on Penn State's radar at all. And that, that changed at camp. So, um, you could see somebody like that. But for the most part, I think not having the summer official visits really pushed some of those guys to make decisions. Um, and, and that's kind of where they're at. Junior Colson. I mean, Michigan's got a fantastic linebacker class right now. Uh, Junior Colson's there. Jaden Hood from, uh, Florida, who's another guy that Penn State was involved with. Um, you just weren't able to get these guys up to campus and, and really, this is kind of where you're at. Now, Budden has been a target for a long time. He was part of that group that that uh, visited on February 1st. Uh, Valu was there. Mega Barnwell was there. A couple other guys were there um, that that have committed to Penn State since. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely a different look. I mean, I, I wouldn't label Budden as a, as the top target there or anything like that. But you know, he's he's a guy that they offered early and pursued along with Kobe King, and they think these guys can play. And and I, where they fit into the depth chart when they get here is going to be you know a topic for uh, a topic of conversation for another day. But uh, you know, a couple of guys from Michigan that that can play and. Like I said, it's something that you're going to have to work out down the road because there's going to be a lot of talent. And usually when there's a lot of talent and a lot of bodies, something's got to give. Circling back very quickly to Budden, 61 tackles. About half of them last year came behind the line of scrimmage. He had nine sacks to his credit. So this is a kid who spent a lot of time, uh, you know, almost 30 tackles for a loss, a lot of time on the other side of the football um, as a junior at Belleville. Uh, we'll see what happens there. We're still waiting for an official announcement time coming Friday, and, and depending on when that is, uh, well, that'll probably depend on how we approach it for our Friday episode uh, later in the week. But uh, as we said, optimism uh, is growing for a 13th member of this Penn State recruiting class. A couple other key defensive targets for Penn State, maybe as high as anybody on the board at this point in terms of defensive targets in the 2021 cycle. Derek Davis, uh, safety out of Western PA and, and the John Warren, uh, safety out of, uh, I'm sorry, safety cornerback. We're, we're, we're seeing him at safety, Sean, John Warren. Yeah. 
Uh, no, uh, Deshaun Warren would be at uh, corner. Cornerback. Derek I, Davis sorry. would be at safety. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Let me get my facts straight here. Deshaun Warren, cornerback, after they signed two two safeties out of uh, Lackawanna College, uh, they, they go back and they're trying to get him. He's the number one junior college uh, target on the board uh, across the country when you look at 24-7 sports rankings. Sean, both Davis and Warren come out with these top seven lists. Uh, Penn State, no surprise at all, featured on both. Um, Warren seems like he's going to hold this thing out for a while. Davis was the first guy to get an offer in this cycle. These are two names that everyone should know by now. Yeah, uh, they are top of the board type names and they have been for a long time. Uh, Derek Davis has been for a really long time. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's guys that you got to keep plugging along with. I think Penn State's in a, in a really good spot for both of these guys, but you know, we've seen how things have gone through this shutdown and, you know, Penn State has to hold that momentum and, and keep that up. I think it's interesting. You've got kind of two different situations here where Derek Davis has visited a bunch of schools, still wants to visit other schools, still wants to visit USC and LSU is on them hard and Georgia. Um, but you, you've got a situation where this guy has seen some schools. Dejon Warren is kind of the opposite. You know, he's seen Penn State, and I think that's a good reason why Penn State's at the top of his list, but he wants to get out. He wants to take officials, um, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, just, you know, kind of all over the map with what he wants to see, Alabama as well, what he wants to see. Um, it And it's kind of like you're waiting to see what what's going to happen because their junior college season has been pushed to the spring. Now, number one, I, I don't know how that affects these guys, especially the guys that were set to play this fall, enroll somewhere in January and go from there. I mean, you got to think that they're still, you know, looking at, to make that next step in January. So you're thinning out JUCO rosters. Um, but at the same time, it's probably going to be a dead period this fall. So, I mean, what do you do in that situation? You're not going to get to visit, you know, all these schools that you want to visit. So I have no idea how they're going to handle that, especially Dejon Warren, because it's uh, he, he hasn't been anywhere. Obviously, still like where Penn State stands because of the Lackawanna connection, because he's been on campus. Um, he's been home at Mar- in Maryland for for a while now. So, you know, is he going to have to pack it up and do this thing where, where we've seen where these guys go out and visit these campuses without uh, any guidance, without any coaches showing them around or anything like that? It's very possible. But when's he going to find the time to do that? As he should be in in school at Lackawanna in the fall because he's got a he's one of those guys he's got to get the uh the credits and the 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 two-year degree before he gets going so uh it's uh it's an interesting pickle to be in if you're a junior college guy right now i do not envy dejon warren um really nothing he could do about this he was set to go out and see a bunch of these schools in in the spring and summer and just you know it it all came crashing down so i'm not sure which which direction he's going to go You've got Warren, who is, you know, 20 years old in that range and, and still has a lot to see. And you've got Derek Davis, who, since he was 14, 15 years old, has had a lot of the big names at his disposal in terms of uh, contact, be able to just to go to a campus and know that he is uh, confidently a top target for that program. So two guys that certainly have taken different paths, but each of them warranting four-star status from 24-7 sports. And to go back very quickly to, to the junior college situation, it certainly will be a question that's going to be asked of every head coach on signing day is how do they feel if they signed a, a junior college player about them completing their career? Because we don't talk about guys signing with with Division One football programs and play much more football outside of maybe an All-America game in, in Florida or Texas that they go to in early January, then that's it for them. You know, Then they're focused in on training. We're talking about a full schedule uh, for Lackawanna College in the spring if they're able to, to, to you know, 
embark on that campaign in 2021 as as scheduled right now and the, and and continue and pick it up you know how do you handle that from from the standpoint of you know wanting the guy to, to get to campus uh, in a good spot physically and i think it's just a lot to juggle it's it's a conversation that that's gonna you know certainly need to be open between the prospect the coaching staff and and also the junior college staff and fortunately penn state uh, and Lackawanna College have a very good working relationship on the recruiting trail at this point, back-to-back cycles in which they signed a pair of players. And one of those guys ended up enrolling in the mid-year, uh, Anthony Wigan at offensive line. The other three came to campus into the summer. So uh, we'll see. Um, Warren's been kind of teeing this thing up as a very close to early signing period announcement decision. Um, but I do wonder if he were to, uh, you know, set things in, in December and sign with the program, does he still fully intend, and, and this goes for other high-profile junior college players who have already signed, does he fully intend to go put on the uniform of another program and play a full schedule of football next spring when he is also supposed to join a school like Penn State and get ready to play a fall season of football. It's it's just a lot up in the air right well, there. He he's one of the lucky ones. I mean he's he's got oh, of he's got these offers and I mean there are guys at that junior college level who are need to basically rely on on having a season this fall to to get a scholarship and I do not envy how they're going to handle that situation because that's going to be that's going to be tough for a lot of people. Not Dejon Warren, luckily, but uh, for a lot of a lot of guys, it's it's going to cost them at some point. So, see how that handles it. Uh, for for from a Penn State perspective, I mean, you don't have too much room in this class uh, at all. Just in on top of these top targets that they have, so you know, I don't see them turning to another guy on that Lackawanna ro- roster or anything like that. And that's a, that's another thing, like uh, junior college kids over the last couple of years have been able to to camp. And we saw Jair Brown and Norval Black last year, and that led to their offers. So you wipe out camp, you wipe out the spring evaluation period where they have their JUCO spring ball, you wipe out a season. Uh, these junior college kids, man, I, I, feel, I feel for them because that's, uh, that's not what they signed up for. That's not an ideal situation. Yeah, uh, Jair Brown told us uh, last month that he – is definitely in communication with with Dejon Warren about joining him at Penn State. Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker, you know, is doing the same thing. Norvell Black, guys who have played together, had a lot of success there at Lackawanna. You've got two there in the defensive backfield already. Uh, we'll see how that helps the Nittany Lions moving forward. Uh, clearly, there is an established pipeline between uh, Lackawanna, Penn State. James Franklin has said they always want to skim the top of that Lackawanna roster um, and be able to bring in those best guys to Penn State. They feel like that's something they should do on an annual basis. This is the big target in the 2021 class. He's moving forward with his decision. It sounds like Andrew Anthony, a name that we have brought up during wide receiver comp- conversations here on the show, Sean, sounds like he may be nearing uh, a spot where he's ready to commit. This recruitment has been kind of all over the place when it comes to Penn State because that offer didn't come until Taylor Stubblefield was hired. We're talking about a February offer that went out. So his one time on campus before that was for the Rutgers game last November. Different wide receivers coach in place, different offensive coordinator in place. So the, the new offensive staff, ultimately, uh, a part of that decision to offer him in February, plans to use an official visit during the spring official visit window. That was the only one on his radar. Certainly sounded like conversations with him in April, where if he could make that visit, yeah, he was holding out hope he could do it in June. That may be enough to, to kind of push him to the edge and, and, and commit to Penn State if they would take that commitment. Couldn't happen. No visits. 
now turning to Michigan State. He's an East Lansing kid, so that makes a lot of sense. But I will say uh, the situation with Penn State, it, it has evolved from when we had spoken to him earlier. Um, I, I don't know if that's on both ends. I don't know if that's on Penn State's end. But I, I do wonder at this stage what the outlook is for the Nittany Lions at wide receiver because Dante Thornton looking elsewhere, Jaleel Farouk looking elsewhere. Um, you know, the Maryland situation with that trio didn't work out in any way, shape, or form. I, I really wonder if they're going to take another commitment right now or if it's a spot where they hold off and see what maybe pops up down the road. Yeah, and there's and there's guys out there. There's, uh, you know, Yule Keith Brown just accepted a, an All-American bid this week down in Florida. Penn State's been on him for a while. Um, there's other guys that, that are all throughout the country. But I, I, I go back to what you said, uh, you know, a minute ago. You don't have to take another one. I mean, and granted, you know, the, the numbers being what they are, Liam Clifford, Lonnie White in this class right now, um, you know, I, I think you're okay numbers wise after taking five last year. So put that aside. Um, is the guy that you're going to take at receiver, you know, going to be the guy that you shut better than the guy that you shut out on the defensive line or the guy that you shut out on the offensive line or something like that? I don't know. Um, and, Given what we've what we've known about Penn State's approach throughout the shutdown, in terms of uh, questions about speed, questions about size, questions you know just sort of uh, second guessing these guys because you don't have the data that you need uh, to make a full evaluation, I think that's where it comes in here. I crystal balled Anthony to, to Michigan State. Um, you know, I heard a couple of weeks ago Penn State very high on his list, but uh, you know, I I don't think that that's something where the timing lines up with what uh, with what they want, what he wants. So I'm going with Michigan State on this one. I don't think it's uh, you know he's a good good player. He's got uh, you know a lot of potential, and we'll see. I think Tyler referenced before we went on the air that he might be the next Felton Davis because uh, he likes rubbing the salt in the wounds. So yes, I just I'm glad you referenced. I just it exposed on you on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a situation where I can see Penn State slowing down that receiver pursuit. Um, you know, if if you go shopping and you go car shopping and you know you don't find the car you want, maybe just you know, put it, put it, uh, for another day and, and, and go try to find something else later in the process. And I think that's really where they find themselves right now. I'm sure no one remembers who Felton Davis is, uh, probably a long forgotten by Penn state fans at this point, Sean. So nice try. All right. It's just about time for a dive into our five-star mailbag, some interesting recruiting topics on the table today, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The mailbag is once again full. Let's take another jump inside and and see what we can come up with. We start with a question here from PSU Perk, and he says, to the best of your knowledge, can you take us through the agenda of what a typical official visit would look like for a recruit 
and the coaching staff, especially at Penn State. This may help listeners better understand why official visits are so important and what the staff is not currently able to capitalize on during the dead period. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really good question because, uh, first off, outside of official visits, unofficial visits are huge. Like, uh, from talking to people around the country, in terms of schools that rely so much on getting a kid to campus and getting him to check out the surroundings, getting him around the coaches, around the players – how far they can take, um, you know, how far that can go in someone's recruitment. There's a couple schools that stand out nationally in terms of doing that. And two of them are Penn State and Clemson. Now, Clemson obviously has a little bit more clout behind it right now based on their recent run. Um, but similar type setups in terms of places when you think about the actual town, the actual landscape of what the campus is, kind of in the middle of nowhere, kind of, you know, just kind of out there. And then when you get there, it's sort of a different thing. And I know a lot of people that are listening to this have gone through that and, and have realized what what kind of place State College is, what kind of place this area is, and how different it is than the surrounding areas. And, and that's something that you have to convince um, you know, young student athletes that are trying to uh, to make that decision. You have to convince them that you know, going three hours or six hours to the middle of central Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere, it's not an easy thing to do, but you know, there's, there's some reward to it. So I think that's the biggest thing when you talk about what Penn State is missing during this shutdown. These visits are so, I, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint or put a number or percentage on how much visits mean to Penn State during the process, but it means more to Penn State than it means to a, a lot of these big schools. So um, when you don't have an urban area, when you don't have the ability to, um, you know, you're not going to state college just for the hell of it. You're going to state college for a reason. That reason's Penn State. Whereas, you know, you can go to different places around certain cities and, and different schools that, you know, it's just, it just, there's a, there's a different aspect to it. And I think that's really why it has hurt them so much that you don't get these kids. And it's not necessarily the Florida kids. It's not necessarily the kids from, you know, out of your region, but you know, state colleges being where it's at is, is not a place that's on the map and not a place that's on your trip when you usually go to. So I think that that's a big thing. And, and then trying to capture that feeling on top of it is something else. And, and I think the recruiting staff has done a really good job in the last couple of years in sort of um, finding visits in which you can hinge a recruitment. And we did a, a trimmings piece uh, a while back in terms of, uh, you know, things that where it, I guess kind of where it turned for some of these guys. And Theo Johnson was there. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith was there. Some of these big time players in the class, you know, didn't have Penn State on the top of their list when they visited. And when they, when they leave, then that's, uh, that's a big deal. But going back to the root of the question, the official visits, um, are big because you get a chance to get these guys in, get their families in. They changed the rules a couple of years ago where you can now pay for the families to come with. I think that's a, you know, a very good change by the NCAA. Um, but you fly these guys in most of the time. And, and you were talking to me earlier before that we went on the, the air. What do you do for these guys that, you know, come in? Do you, do you fly them to Harrisburg? Do you, you know, flying to Pittsburgh or something like that. Now there's enough flights coming into State College where you can bring them into State College. Not e not always the easiest to get out, especially when you, your official visit weekend is in the dead of winter. But you can bring these guys in. It it's, takes away that trip. And, and you know, I, I, I like driving along 322. I like driving along um, certain spots where you, you know, have a nice drive into State College. But when you can fly into State College, I'll, I'll take that every time. So fly them into State College, go pick them up. 
official visits are basically just bonding uh, bonding time with the staff. You get a chance to sit down and eat. You go up in the stadium. You see the lights. Uh, you know, sometimes there's a football game. Not a ton of times. I mean, you look at the the vast majority of, of official visits that Penn State has uh, prior to the shutdown, obviously. They're in the summertime. They're after the season. You don't want to do that around a, a game because you, you can't allot the proper time to your team. You can't allot, allot the proper time to the prospects. So, um, you bring those guys in, they stay at the Nittany Lion Inn, you wine them and dine them. Obviously, you don't wine the, 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 uh, the, the mom players. Mom and dad um, tend you, to get mom wine. And dad, yeah. <laughs> mom and dad do get into the wine. Um, mom and dad get a chance to, uh, hang out with the coaches, the coaches' families. This is a big thing. You know, they'll go to Gigi's or something and have a cocktail hour and, and get a chance to, uh, sort of, uh, I guess, get a get a sense of where these coaches stand as people rather than coaches um during the day you've got academic things you you've got uh you know we talked to destiny rodriguez who is a huge part of this destiny runs basically the on-campus visits for them um and she's uh yeah, she's on top of her stuff. <laughs> Let me tell you that everybody that I talk to in that building knows that Destiny runs the show, and she kind of has these guys on schedule. You need to get them where they need to get them. If you're talking to a kid that wants to major in business, you bring in a, a dean or a professor or something of business, talk to them. Then you get them off to the next thing, and it's there's so many uh, little. Uh, I, I guess uh, tendencies that Penn State has fallen back on in the past, but you're always finding new things to uh, to work your way through. So you're always moving. Um, you know, you get time in the you know to uh, I guess interact with the players. There's player panels. There's uh, coaching panels where you're talking to these guys. You're take, checking out not only the uh, current facilities but the plans for the new facilities, the videos, and all that kind of stuff. There's so much that they pack into that. 48 hours that you're on campus that there's really not a lot of downtime. And then on top of that, you're hosted by a player. So, you know, at night you're going out with the player at night, you're or at times you're, you know, sort of being a little bit more real with them. So there's so much information to soak up over that short time that you're on campus that, you know, it really becomes a, a vital part of, of your recruitment. And by that time, and I think this is the thing that sort of, uh, you know, you have a split in recruiting where you've got guys that make early decisions, you've got guys that make late decisions. Sometimes the early decisions, you know, oftentimes are the ones that stick because you don't have as much information as you think you need. Whereas the guys that go out and do the official visits, the guys that go out and do um, the, you know, just everything, visit all the campuses, talk to all the coaches, Almost, it's almost too much sometimes. And then, you know, you, you get a little bit of buyer's remorse and everything like that at the end. So there's an interesting split. And that's why, you know, you've seen Penn State have success with sort of that June area hotspot there where you can, you can bring those guys in those, those two weekends in June and they've, they've benefited pretty well from it when you look at the the makeup of the of the last couple of classes. So there's just so much that goes on, so many moving pieces. I don't have an itinerary in front of me, but you're always keeping those guys moving. You're always keeping those guys around staff members, around players, around people that you want to sell your program. And and oftentimes it, it works out pretty well. You're essentially trying to provide as many perspectives to both the prospect and their parents as you can. Um, you're trying to show a prospect this is what life will look like when you are sitting in the classroom at Penn State. This is what life will look like when you are struggling in the classroom and you need to seek some some tutoring or you need to seek some academic advice. Here are the resources at your disposal. Um, you know, then from the player's standpoint, what is it like uh, socially 
you know, you usually get a pretty good indication when you spend a weekend uh, with a guy who's a, you know, junior or senior on campus of, of what might be out there as a, you know, as, as a, as a college student and, and what you're going to get to interact with, with your fellow campus peers and, and all the stuff that goes into that. And sometimes that's where official visit trips can go off the rails. Uh, not often, but, but sometimes you, you risk that. Um, but I think the, the key here, you mentioned, uh, you know, the parents really having the opportunity to, to peel back away, uh, the, the, the PowerPoint presentations and actually sit down with the coaches, you know, maybe have some cocktails, you know, and, and basically the conversation starts to shift toward more parenthood. Uh, you know, James Franklin's a father. Most of the members of his staff are fathers. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things that you can identify with that go beyond the football field. And, you know, that's where I think parents really come away with, with either positive vibes towards the school or they're turned off by, by the, persona by the demeanor of, of a coaching staff and some of the things they hear during that span but yes it is definitely designed to provide as many perspectives for for those who are encountering this for a 48 hour span um, trying to feed them a lot of good food along the way trying to highlight the the um, things that you think are excellent about your campus and trying to maybe you know sh- uh, shy away from from the spots of your campus that maybe you're not as confident about whatever that might be um, I think ultimately something you referenced is Penn State is a place that you are coming to because Penn State's here that there is not a proximity thing where you can say hey you know right around the corner there's this big city um, that that I can maybe pursue an internship in you've got Philadelphia three hours away you've got Pittsburgh two and a half hours away the other side you know you're here and and it's a unique environment because of that you, you fly in you think about a lot of these kids who aren't familiar with with mountain landscapes that's just going to be something that that kind of changes things for them from a perception standpoint and they they land here they see the the farmland and and then they roll up and that first glimpse of beaver stadium i'm sure it's always special it's it's still something that that stands out to me the the you know the the contrast between all this wide open land and then this massive uh place that fits 107,000 fans for a football game it's it's remarkable so i think it you know and, and by the way creamery uh creamery is always a destination along the way but yeah, this is not a spot where, again, something at a school like Rutgers, you know, say what you will, uh, New Brunswick ain't the most beautiful place to, to show off. And, and you know, I spent four years there, but the big thing during official visits, on the Saturday of official visits, I would usually get dropped off along with another colleague at the Princeton train station. We would uh, decorate uh, like a double-decker um, uh, train going into, this, in, into New York City. We'd decorate it with a bunch of Rutgers uh, posters. We'd have the fight song playing. Uh, the, the players would get on the train station two stops later in New Brunswick, walk into this Rutgers-themed train be on their way to New York City, and we'd spend the night at ESPN Zone and and spend some time in Manhattan just trying to knock and hammer home the point, hey, you can be in, in Manhattan in 45 minutes if you come to this campus. That is a different recruiting pitch that doesn't exist here. And and obviously, um, you know, I think depending on what campus you're looking at, you know, there's a lot of them that are remotely located. But there's a lot that, that you can point to and say, hey, you, you want to pursue an internship in politics? Well, Maryland's very close to D.C. and and, and, and you've got all those options. You you want to pursue something um, in, in, in Los Angeles? Well, USC and UCLA can maybe set you up for something in video production or music production down the line. I think Penn State, you know, it's it's just 
You got to really dig the area. You got to be, be up for a major change of scenery in your personal life. We, we've heard about this, uh, you know, kids commenting on the cows, kids commenting on the cold weather, needing to invest in winter, winter clothes for the first time in their lives, coming up from a, a warm weather state. Uh, but I think that, you know, this is the kind of place where there is, you know, kind of a, a magic to it because it is pretty isolated because it is in, in, in this, in this massive valley. And I just think it's something that, you know, even for me being someone who grew up five hours away, this is a major kind of cultural shift coming in from New Jersey. You know, now, now put yourself in the shoes of a kid flying in from Florida and what it may look like there. Uh, there there's a lot that goes into it, but I think the important thing is that they get in the car uh, or they get on the flight home and they're raving about the positives rather than saying, well, what was that about? What was that about? Because it doesn't take much for these to go off the rails. And I will say it's not all about what the experience is like for a prospect and their parents. A lot of it is about what the experience is like for a staff, because did they feel like they had to force it? Did they feel like they had to fake it with the players, with their families? And if so, why? Um, or was it a natural fit? Did it seem like a kid who could step on a campus and whether he's going to contribute in one year, two years, three years, he's going to contribute as a positive influence in your locker room, as a positive influence in, in accountability across your roster. Um, sometimes you get uh, a question in, in the negative affirmation um, with these visits because you get a better feel for for maybe some some red flags that are in place that if they hadn't spent 48 hours under your supervision, essentially, these may not have popped up. Yeah. And, and what is it? I mean, it's a highlight of your campus. I mean, you, you mentioned what, what you used to do at Rutgers is go to New York City. I mean, just to just show the best part of being at Rutgers is being, you know, around uh, New York City. And, and I don't mean that as a slight. I'm just saying you, you got to do what you yeah. need to do to show you shine it up and show your best. And, and, and that's part of it. And with with Penn State. I think part of that is there's there's a different feeling when you're on campus. You don't feel like you're in the middle of nowhere when you're on campus, especially you know around that football building. Uh, you know the the scenery is great um, from from the uh, from the inside out, and and really when you go to a place like Penn State, you want to f- kind of forget where you're at on the map and sort of soak in where you're at. You know uh, with the surroundings around you. So I think that that's the biggest thing is sort of uh, getting away from. You know, just being in the middle of nowhere, but you're sort of, it's an oasis. That's what it is. So, um, and also we have jets now. There's no more propeller planes, which is uh, a really big deal to some people, uh, myself included, because they're terrifying. Um, but uh, that, the little things like that will help and sort of get, uh, get you going along your way. So I think that that's, you know, that's sort of, uh, we, we kind of, we didn't dance around it, but we kind of zigzagged all around how important these official visits are. But just getting kids to campus, a lot of people, as, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people listening have felt that feeling before. And that's what you're trying to put out there. And that's what you're trying to capture if, if you're a Penn State staff that's putting together a visit weekend, whether that be a junior day, whether that be a, a camp weekend, or whether that be an official visit weekend. This just doesn't feel – I don't think any school fits the mold for a school that you can commit to without a visit, even though we're seeing it. But certainly, Happy Valley. I, I don't know how you can commit to live in a place like this, and and you know, and and you know, take on take you know, take on this experience for the next three, four, five years of your life without getting with, to campus. With equal <laughs> off- yeah, with equal offers. That's the right. thing. It's you can get kids to commit to this school without seeing it. 
probably, you know, you're going to beat out some some schools that you're typically not on the offer list with. I mean, when you're jockeying for guys at, at top schools, I mean, that's that's a different story. And and by the way, you mentioned Destiny. Uh, a great reference because a lot of people are probably unfamiliar with the name. A lot of grunt work goes into these official visits. At the uh, at the at the end of the day, it's it's James Franklin. It's the it's the positional coaches who are doing the talking, the ones that are really going to make the big imprint. But you've got people making airport runs. You've got people cleaning up facilities. You've got people holding doors. I, and I can tell you, I've done all three of those things <laughs> back in my day. And uh, it's it is a thankless job sometimes. But that you know that's what it requires. That you want people to not notice all the other things going on around them and really be able to focus in on the important messages that that are coming from from the leadership spots within your football program. So there's a lot uh, to to dive into on the official visits. And thanks for the question from PSU Perk. We certainly hope to see if. Official visits return to existence. Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen, but it is a, a very glaring absence in the 2021 recruiting cycle to this point. Another from our old friend Fitz's burner account. You should be familiar with this one, Sean. Uh, to wrap up the 21 class, Penn State only gets Rucci, Nolan Rucci, Derek Davis, DeJon Warren, and Jamari Budden. Should fans be happy, mad, or in between? Tell you what, Sean. Uh, the only I hope that applies to the to the total number of players because that would put you at what uh, about sixteen guys in this class. But the only in terms of quality, you're looking at the number one player out of Pennsylvania, Nolan Rucci, uh, the top defensive prospect in the state on your board with Derek Davis, the top junior college player, another major defensive back target, Jajon Warren, and then a four star linebacker in Jamari Budden. If anyone's mad about that. Uh, you are setting the bar too high. My my first thing would be if if you get those four shout from the rooftops because that's a that's a pretty good haul. Um, and I think Penn State's in you know a pretty good spot for them. You got to weather some things with Rucci uh, Davis. You know wants to visit some more schools. Warren we talked about earlier and Budden. I think they're going to get on Friday. Um, that's a good group. Um, you know you're still looking at taking you know 18 probably at the least. Um, with uh, with this recruiting class, so I would say in between because you need some defensive linemen, and that's uh, really where I go. This, I mean freaking ecstatic if you're a Penn State fan and, and you get these four, but you add a Kevin Gilliam, you add maybe you get lucky and you get an Elliot Donald, you add a defensive end to the mix, which is a huge need for this. But so I'm looking more at class makeup and I'm looking more at what's out there. And there's a lot of defensive linemen that sort of fit the bill. Um, still maybe want to add an offensive lineman. Diego Pound's still out there in, in North Carolina. It's very receptive to what Penn State's putting out there. And, and then at the end, do you, do you find a receiver? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with football. So, I mean, right now you're really not banking on, you can't bank on senior risers or anything like that, but um, that would be a very, very, very good start. Um, but you need some defensive linemen. Um, you need some guys to sort of uh, f- fill out the bulk of your class. Davis and Warren, top targets on defense. Rucci, top target on offense. Uh, maybe throw a tight end in there, maybe throw a running back. But defensive line is really where you're going to judge uh, beyond these four guys. Is really where you're going to judge where this class sits at the end of the day. Defensive line and focus. But what's interesting to me is that you didn't – and there's a reason for this. We talked about the, the health of some of these positions. But if that is the end of your class under this hypothetic, uh, hypothetical cir- circumstance, you're looking at the offensive skill positions – and you're looking at two guys. Uh, I'm sorry, quarterback excluded. You're looking at in terms of supporting cast, no tight end, no running back, 
two wide receivers, one of which Lonnie White doesn't have extensive experience at the position, um, played quarterback and has been all over the field. And, and then the other Liam Clifford, I like him at wide receiver. I know he's listed as an athlete, gets consideration on the defensive backfield. But that's it in terms of the supporting cast for a first-year offensive coordinator. Do you think that's enough for Kirk Shiraka? I know he's got a lot of talent in some of those rooms, and we've talked about running back and tight end and bringing in multiplayer classes. But at the end of the day, is that going to get it done? If you're looking at outside of quarterback at these skill spots on offense, you're looking at Lonnie White, Liam Clifford, period. I, I, I mean, I could see them passing on a running back. I could see them passing on a tight end or not adding another wide receiver. I don't think they find themselves in a scenario where they – pass on all three at this point. I mean, I know that there's, you know, kind of what we said earlier was you take your time and you figure it out. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's it. Khalil Dinkins still out there as a tight end. Uh, Amari Daniels down in Florida as a running back. Don, I mean, you, you just got to plug along and try and stay in it with Donovan Edwards or maybe find somebody else at, at running back. And we know that, you know, Diamond and the Ruffs have, have worked out fairly well for Penn State to, at that position. So, I mean, there, there's options and, and it's July. And, and I know that this, this, uh, cycle has seemed like it's gone on forever and, you know, it feels like it's gone on forever. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got some time to make some things happen. A lot of things can happen between now and December. Um, whether that will happen with visits, whether that's an advantage, a disadvantage. So far, it's obviously been a disadvantage. Uh, I guess what remains to be seen. And we've said it for a long time. Uh, offensively, it's important for Penn State to get out there and showcase what the new look looks like for the Nittany Lions. And that timetable is uh, is to be determined. Right now, Penn State about two-thirds of the way through building this class with 12 commitments, Sean, ranked 26th in the country. When you look at the 24-7 composite, number eight class in the Big Ten as things are currently constructed. But you look at what Kirk, you, what your question, the root of your question was Kirk Shiraka, and you're going to see more of that in 2022 and forward uh, just based on the effect that he can have on recruiting. You know, you saw it with uh, with when Penn State changed offenses under Joe Moorhead and eventually that sort of groundswell. It didn't all happen at the start, but sort of that groundswell that moved toward what we see the roster looking like today. Um, you know, it's it's it, it takes some time. It takes some proof. I think that that's the thing. You can throw out all the numbers that he put up at Minnesota and all that stuff, but until you do it at Penn State, it's kind of a different thing. So I think that that's uh, something that you can look at in the future if Penn State puts out really good output in 20, excuse me, whenever this season is played, then I think you're going to see the 2022 class uh, at, at those spots, you know, potential to grow, potential to uh, to be really good at those it spots. It would seem imperative to me, again, to, to to prove what you've got cooking in this passing game, because the longer you continue to have this weight to be able to show that, the more, you know, again, you can point to the last couple of years, the lack of production there. And I think that does sway, you know, top level quarterbacks, top level wide receivers at the end of the day, when, when they're kind of weighing the pros and cons here, you know, tangible proof of what they can do at Penn state is very important. And, you know, it, the longer this goes, the longer you have to look and, and all the way back to 2017 for the last time that that Penn state pass attack was really doing a lot of damage and really spreading the ball efficiently. And 2017, when we're talking about class of 22 prospects, you know what they were, in, they were finishing up middle school at that point. So getting a little further in the rearview mirror and, and that gets a little dicey uh, the longer they go. Obviously so much of this outside of the Penn state staff's control at this stage, but uh, the names that, that were mentioned in that question very clearly 
uh, at or near the top of the target board for a while. And as we said, Jamari Budden uh, just days away from announcing his decision. Uh, thanks for the questions from PSU Perk, from Fitz's Burner. Keep them coming. Drop your five-star review and rating on Apple Podcast and, and uh, supply your question or a couple questions. After that, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, we'll, we'll address some more later in the week. Sean, I think that's going to do it. Um, we have... Plenty to get to uh, later on, and, and fortunately, we have uh, some good content coming your way on the upcoming episodes. At least we think so. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, most vital players on the Penn State roster. Uh, we were able to catch up with, with an Elite 11 staff member to get some insight on Christian Veyu, all things that we're excited to share here on the podcast. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this one. Yeah, I think we uh, I think we hammered this one out. We talked. Uh, we, you and I were talking about that official visit question before we went on, and it was just like, how do we do that? And I think I rambled my way through it, but it's just, uh, I think it's an important question right now in terms of to get an understanding of where Penn State is, just to not, not just the official visit aspect of it, but, you know, just where Penn State, how much Penn State relies on those visits. I don't know that I can get across how much they, they rely on that. So hopefully that came across for you. Hopefully, uh, you got something out of, out of this episode. And if not, well, I guess we'll see you later this week. And uh, just to further reinforce the, the recruiting reality right now, when, when so many of those offers went out to the guys that we're talking about, you want to get here for official visits. A big chunk of this staff was working for another program, recruiting for another program. It, it is just, and this is not a unique thing to Penn State. It is just a lot of teams at crossroads on the recruiting trail right now. We'll see if Penn State gets some good news later in the week. You can see all the fallout from that announcement coming from Jamari Budden on Friday up on lines247.com. If Penn State is the pick, I look for a scouting report analysis from our 24-7 sports team, um, an indication of where things stand, and we'll update you on what this class looks like overall. Thanks to all of our listeners. Stay informed up on the site. You can find 30% off annual VIP subscription, $1 for one month, and we've got a deal coming your way later this week, so stay tuned for that one. I'm going to drop that price a little bit more for a few days and offer up a good deal here uh, in midsummer. Uh, for now, stepping aside, on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks for tuning into the Lions 24 7 podcast.